Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. So if you can open your Bibles to Matthew 28, we'll be in verse 19. We're going to continue on our Multiply series today. And the title of this message is Coming Up Higher. Coming Up Higher. I get to talk about Christianity being a lifestyle and not simply a set of teachings. You know, the amazing thing about our Christianity is that it's the only religion in the entire world that's a revealed religion. It's a revelatory religion. It's the revelation of Christ himself to us and not a set of rules. You see, people, so many times we try to make it rules. We, if, if you're born again, if you're a Christian, you look like this, you talk like this, you act like this. And you know, the Bible gives us directions, right, on our, on our, on our livelihoods. And, and we're going to talk about some of those today. But you know what? I would take, you know, the prostitute off the streets, let her get born again, and let Jesus begin to deal with some of the other stuff, Right? This uh, one time I had a girl get born again. She grew up in the church, and um, she was a young adult, and she was just living it up, right, partying it up, you know, no drugs, but just like the, the party college lifestyle. And she gets born again, and she comes to church, and she's sitting in the front row of all places, and it's kind of like a circular building. And she's wearing these, um, a jumper with shorts, but the shorts were really short with cowboy boots. So on the other side of the church, all my little young adult leaders, you see them. And the next thing you know, during an offering, one of them comes to me, you, you think you should tell so-and-so? I mean, we should tell her to move, right? You don't dress like that in church. And um, thank God he's a revelation God. So my response was, well, would you rather her be in church today with a little bit short shorts or would you rather her be in the world living for the devil? She just got born again. Can you give her some grace? She just got born again. Can we give her some grace? And it may have taken a couple months, but Jesus dealt with her, right? My job was to introduce her to him, to introduce her to him in deeper ways, to, to explain and expound scripture, to show her Jesus in everyday life. And Jesus began to change her heart. Because you see, I could have looked at her and said, hey, girlfriend, your outfit's really cute, but you're offending a lot of people. We're going to move it on to the back. What do you think she would have done every time she went to get dressed for church? She would have thought about that. She would have run from me every time she saw me, right? Instead, she found a body that loves and accepted her right where she was and, 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 and um, walked with her through the transformation process. Amen? So that's what I get to talk about today. And that's found in Matthew 28. We're in verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. You know, if you're born again, if you're born again, 
You and I are called to go and make disciples. You and I are called to teach. And you may say, lady, you don't want me going to lead nobody and teaching nobody nothing. If you know Jesus, if you know Jesus, there's somebody that you can give something to. There's somebody around you in your sphere of influence that you can love on, that you can encourage, and that you can be a light to. Amen? Um, discipleship is a lifestyle of learning from another person's life and not a book. You know, when I first um, started being in leadership and discipling people in New Orleans, this, these two particular girls would call or text and they'd say, when's our next meeting and what book am I supposed to be studying for you and what do you want me to do with it? And I was like, um, read your Bible and you want to go have coffee? And they were so stuck on, if I'm her disciple, I have to do something for her. And it, it, it took really Jesus to help the revelation come that we're going to do life together. We're going to do life together, and we're going we're gonna to talk about Jesus and the lifestyle of believers in everyday life. And some seasons we're going to read books together, and other seasons we're not, but we're going to always pursue Christ. So it's a lifestyle of learning, not necessarily a book knowledge. Um, and, and being able to do this, relationships are essential to learning the Christian life. How many of you know he built the church, and he's called us to the church as one part of a body. Some of us are the noses and some are the ears and some are the fingernails, right? And the elbows. But we're all part of one body. And if we're to grow, we have to be in relationship with one another. That means we have to actually talk to one another and we have to like one another, <laughs> right? And, and, and so we have to stop trying to hide from each other. You know, when I first got born again, I was scared of everybody because I was sure if you knew who I was and what I'd done, you would not like me and you would not let your daughters or sons hang around me at all. So I ran away from you. You said, hi, Heather. And I was like, hey, you gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> you came walking up to me and I'd be like, hey, you gotta go to the car. Because I was so scared. What if people got to know me? And thanks be to the God that people did get to know me. Because I began to realize that just like I was messed up, so was everybody else. That there wasn't one person that was sin-free. That everybody was dealing with something. Everybody had some sort of past. It all looks different. Some of our sins are more manicured than others, but everybody's got them. Everybody needs the blood of Jesus. And so relationships are essential in our spiritual growth. We have to want to grow up in Christ. We have to want to be changed. If you don't have it, the Holy Spirit's the only one that can give it. So let's just pray right now. Lord, increase my faith because I like my carnality. That's really, unfortunately, what some sit in church and say. Ain't nothing wrong with what I do. Wow. Lord, increase my faith. I want to change. 
And in wanting to change, not only am I going to read my Bible, not only am I coming to church, not only am I going to have a prayer and worship life, but I'm going to build relationships within the body of Christ. You don't believe me? Matthew 28, how else are we to go and make disciples? How else are we to teach all that we've been commanded if we don't have relationships? And that is more than just, hey, we're going to sit in the same pew. You love Jesus? I do too. It's getting to know people. It's spending time with people. Jesus trained his 12 this way. He lived with them so they could see his lifestyle. He didn't just have them come to a Bible college class for a couple hours once a week and that was it. He didn't change the world that way. He changed the world by living with them. Now, I'm not telling you to move everybody in. But have a lifestyle of relationship with the believer as Christ did with the, with the disciples. So in Matthew 18, the entire chapter is parables. Jesus lived with them. And so as life came up, he talked about it. As a life happened, he began to explain the things of the kingdom of God. That's relational discipleship. That's multiplying ourselves in everyday life through relationship. You know, the first part of Matthew 18, they come and they, Jesus, who's the greatest? Which one of us is going to sit next to you in the kingdom? They dealt with pride. Uh-oh. Nobody here deals with pride, right? Jesus got to rebuke him very nicely. He didn't say, oh, sweetheart, of course you will. I, I need you to stay in my small group so you can do and say whatever you want. No, he wasn't worried about that. He told him how it was. He goes on and warns, warns people about offense. You will be offended. People will do you wrong. He's not lying to them, right? He goes on the parable of the lost sheep. We got to go after our sheep of doodles. We got to love on them. He taught them through relationship. Paul trained his young men by taking them on missionary journeys. You know, so not all of us may get to, to spend time and go to houses and clean houses with Vicki so she can really, you press her, her Bible's going to come out. So you may not get to go hang out with her and do that, but you may be able to come and help her set up for her grief group. How is that biblical? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. That's what Paul did. Paul took them with him on missionary journeys. Yeah, and you think that was so that they could, they could be puffed up and he gave them a throne? Look, Jewel is with me. <laughs> Jewel would come along the missionary journeys and help Paul carry the luggage and, and, and help set things up and help make sure there's food prepared so Paul could preach, right? And learn things of ministry that way. Learned what it was to live uh, um, in Christ as a believer through that. You know, we took um, Pastor Grace with us to Florida. We did that week of revival. And one of the things she commented about when we got back was absolutely not at all what I even thought. I was like, duh, Heather. Well, she said it was so refreshing and nice seeing a ministry couple live with their family and how it really functions throughout the week. And, and because it was a breath of fresh air for her because we did it with joy. It wasn't us pulling out our hair. Get your clothes on. Get in the car. <laughs> we were able to emulate Christ in our family life 
in preparation for the ministry. And it's not some big lock yourself in the closet for three hours and do a ritual while your kids are screaming. And, I mean, whatever, whatever your view of it is. We're real people. We're real people. We're a husband and wife. We have kids with all that comes with having a family, right? And we still have to love Jesus, look like him, be changed by him, desire him, and share him with others. That's really hard to portray and communicate from the pulpit. You want to know what it's like? It's quite humorous. Come and hang out with me for a day. (laughs) Vicki keeps me in line. And so she's worried about me with Zach being gone. So she's like, hey, Lester's at Iron Sharpens Iron. I can come check on you. And uh, so after a text back and forth, I was like, well, I think I'm really okay. But if you want to come, you can come. I'd love to see you. And um, so you might just see crazy hair. And it was so refreshing as a believer and as a pastor and really as a friend to say, yeah, come on over. My life's not perfect, but you're welcome in it. I did have my hairbrush by the time she got there. But in Corinthians, we have from Paul, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You know, we, we have to live for Christ, and we have to want to allow other peoples to follow us as we're in pursuit of him. Amen? Philippians 4.9 says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Everybody say, put into practice. Put into practice. practice. Why is this multiply message called coming up higher? Because we as believers cannot just sit in contentment. That we've arrived, that we're okay how we are, and that's it. Right? Well, they do it, so it must be okay. No. 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 He says, be ye holy as I am holy. Be ye holy as I am holy. Whatever you've seen and heard in me, put into practice. Hey, if you haven't noticed yet, I promise you we aren't perfect, but I promise you we're pursuing Jesus. So do everybody a favor and stop judging Stop judging us and stop judging the person sitting next to you. The Christ you see in them, pursue it. You know, the awesome thing about, about being a pastor um, is you, I, you just get the snot beat out of you. And it's the most humbling thing. And I get to grow by my relationship with all of you. I get to see the Jesus in you, you all ugly thing. Because you see, the funny thing is, everything always eventually gets back, right? And so let me, can I just be real for a second? Well, you know, I don't really like what she said. I mean, did you hear what she said? And she can say this to me, but let me tell you what I heard her say one day. And and I just hope, and Jesus, he's going to get her. (laughs) Who does she think she is to tell me that? Let me tell you, you precious thing, my first reaction is not to go back and tell you off. It's really to feel sorry for you. Because I, then I'm like, whoa, the depravity of man. I guess I really did hear from Jesus to correct you. Wow. And then usually comes along or shortly after that, all the things you do for the kingdom. 
and all the Jesus moments I've seen in you and realize that I too must look like the fool to someone some days and puts me on my face to Lord, change me. Lord, change, change my attitude. Help me whenever I'm challenged for your kingdom to not rise up like a peacock that looks like a fool, absolute fool. Try justifying yourself and you look like a fool. How many of you have ever realized that? You just look like a fool. And that helps me because I want to look like Jesus. It takes me back on that journey of all the times that I put my foot in my mouth or all the times that I did something that the Lord said, do the opposite, and I was too lazy. You challenge me to be more like Jesus. I hope that you let me challenge you to be more like Jesus. In all of my faults, in all of my inadequacies, that you still might find Christ in me. And what you see of him in me would cause you to pursue him more. Then let's flip it. There are those among you that, oh my word, your faithfulness in the kingdom and your faithfulness in prayer and the word of God and the way you love your husband and your patience, oh, and the grace on your mouth. That makes me go, wow, Jesus, Jesus, could, Lord, I'm just going to go rub elbows with her so I can be as grateful as she is. I just want some of that. Or, Lord, how does she have the faith like that? And I just want to go be around you. You think I like you a whole lot. I just want the Jesus in you. <laughs> Are y'all following my, that where we're going? We can't desire to stay the same. And if you are, and if you're ignoring me this morning, by the grace of God, may I say, oh, you little precious heathen carnal person. <laughs> Oh, if my husband gets in trouble a lot, so it's all okay, right? I'll tell him myself before, before I go to bed. If you're going to sit in church or, and you're not going to listen, and I'm talking about listening with your heart, or you're going to walk out and tear everything apart about a service. Do yourself a favor and do two things. Schedule yourself an appointment with me or pastor. If you're a lady, you got me. Sorry, you don't get my hubby. If you're a man, you got my hubby. Talk it out with us. You're not going to hurt our feelings. Let us help you see Jesus. Do, do it right. Do it that way first. And number two, if your heart still is just going to be that... Then just go on out the door. Go live in the world. Go live in sin. Go live in your pride. Go live in your puke. Because he'll bring you back. And he'll bring you back with a heart that is moldable. A heart that is willing to be changed. A heart that's willing to be transformed. This discipleship to go ye into all the nations and make disciples. Teaching them all that you've observed. 
That's a hard thing to do, and it's not about living content at all, at all. Our staff meetings challenge us more than anything. I got Vicki in the middle of staff meetings. I'm sharing. She's pulling up scriptures on her phone, putting them in front of my face. I'm like, great. I got to repent, and I'm still talking. I got other people emailing me the next day. Hey, when you said this, the Lord really showed me this. Wow, do I lacketh faith that much, Jesus? Oh, dear Lord, increase me. That's the relationship. that, that Y'all understand Christianity is not about books. And look, y'all hear me. Y'all go in my office. Y'all come and talk to us. We are readers. We are studiers. We, we go for it. I want it up here. But it's got to go from here to here. And from when it's here and we live it, we have to teach others how to live it. Okay? How are we doing? I could keep y'all here at about 3 o'clock if y'all are okay with that. <laughs> Effective discipleship happens through these close personal relationships. So here's a scripture for you. 1 Timothy 4.11. Now I shared this with a group of young leaders a couple years back. And this, this scripture I shared with them about, listen, this is how we have to disciple others. They came back in a week, and each one of them preached to me about this and how we can more effectively, effectively disciple one another. It says, command and teach these things. Don't look down because you're young, but set an example for believers. It's talking to you. Doesn't matter your age. You're young in the faith. You're young in what you have to do for the Lord. How do I know? Because you're still breathing. You're still breathing. And we are, we, you, there's not thousands following. Amen? Set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. In discipleship, start there. Write down this scripture on an index card. Memorize it. Once you're done memorizing it, ask the Lord to begin to teach you. Not you to get some knowledge to teach someone else, but this is how discipleship begins. You're going to ask him to teach you. And he's going to use your pastors and your leaders around you to begin to sharpen you in these areas. He's going to give you scriptures to sharpen you in these areas and challenge you to begin to live it out so you can then live and challenge other people. So in speech, I love this one. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is necessary for good. I did not know that believers were the biggest complainers in the world. I mean, come on. And as they start going, I'm like, whoa, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> you're killing me. And so after a while, I'm just going to start with some of the scriptures. Hey, let's let not no corrupt word out of our mouth. Where, where, where's the scripture? Where's the Jesus in that statement? Right? Psalms 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. If the Lord was sitting in your room, would you have typed that on Facebook? (laughs) 
If the Lord was sitting right next to you, would you have said that to your kid? Come on. Or your spouse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. I have this person I'm counseling right now via long distance and you know, and, and, and it's just everything's coming out. And, and they're in a hard situation. If they're listening today, I prayed for you this morning. They're, you know, they're going through a really hard situation. And, and it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of tragedy. It's a lot of loss. And everything out of her mouth is just <clears throat> And so every day before I get on the phone with her, well, what, what do I need to do? I'm like, let's turn off the faucets. Let's start turning everything off. And let's just start thinking about that which is pure and lovely and virtuous and holy so that the meditation of our heart and the words of our, our lips would be acceptable to him. Because when we let everything around us be negative, what comes out of our mouth? Our conduct. Romans 13, 14 says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Our conduct should be becoming of the Lord. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But he who's called you is holy, and be holy in all of your conduct. 1 Timothy 3.2 says, Therefore an overseer or a leader, everybody that volunteers is a leader. Because you know if you pass a plate, the new person thinks you're the bomb.com. They don't know you've only been here three months and got born again too. So a leader must live above reproach. Uh-oh. So that means I can't post a video of me and my boys and we just dogging it out and they got their vodka and their beer, and, but it was just a boy's night. A leader living above reproach is, hey, I want to meet the pastor, and, and I need to talk to the pastor, but, and you're a lady, but you're only going to talk to him. No, sweet pea. He's my husband, not yours. And the Lord's called me as much as he's called my husband. And so if you'd like to speak to the pastor, ma'am, you can meet me in my office, and I'll be glad to meet you. Why? Because we have to live above reproach. Because my goal in ministry, for me and for you, is that in 50 years, we still look like Jesus. We still love him and one another. And we still enjoy doing the work. And that's not going to happen by me settling and me compromising, right? So you're going to meet with me, sweet pea. We're going to learn to live above reproach. Then it talks about let, live in love. Are you living in love and loving your brethren? Or are you sitting there in judgment and condemnation of everybody around you? First John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. Stop making excuses, you silly thing. Matthew 22, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Stop saying, when I go to church and serve so I can go to the bar and booze it up. Love him with everything within you. Yeah. 
And then Mark says, you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to put others above ourselves. I'm going to put that precious little family above myself and make sure, Lord, what do you need me to sacrifice to give to make sure we can keep giving to those out there so they can know that you love them? I'm going to love with the love of God and not just in word, but in action. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to put my, my skills and my talents where my mouth is. I'm going to put my time and my energy where my mouth is. I'm going to love them where I'm at. And I'm going to love the unlovable. I'm going to love You think I don't know who you are that talks about me or my family? I know who you are. I'm going to love you for it. Because if I didn't, would the love of God be in me? I'm going to love you for it. I'm going to walk right up. I had this girl one time. Boy, she went to my pastor. And oh, her, actually it was her husband. And her husband, I mean, lies upon lies upon lies about Zach. It was hilarious. It was so obnoxious. And of course, they didn't believe it. But we had to sit through meetings to sort through it, right? And um, she was a friend of mine, and every, all of a sudden she was MIA out the door, would see me and run. I drove up on the property, and it was like she knew it. She'd just run. So one day I saw her go in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, we've been going on about three weeks of this. I, I got your number. Here we go, sister. Hey! <laughs> I, sweetie, I heard you guys had a problem with this. I'm, you want to talk about it? I'm here. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Hey, listen, it's all right. I know you're not. Let's just talk about it. I'm good. Hey, listen, I want you to know I know everything that was said. I love you, and I want us to be okay. What do you want to talk about? The tears start falling, and there you go. I'm stuck for two hours. <laughs> We're talking about multiplication. Y'all, I know, I'm sorry. It's, life is fun. Multiplication and coming up higher. In discipleship, that girl was a disciple of mine for years. So discipleship doesn't stop because someone all of a sudden doesn't like something that was said or done, yeah. right? Yeah. Discipleship doesn't stop. So the reality of it is in that moment, in that season, that encounter was discipleship. I knew that there was a problem, there was disunity in the kingdom, there were lies, there were discords, there was un unrest in the kingdom, and so my duty was to go and, and, and resolve it. My duty was to be a peacemaker in the kingdom, amen? That was discipleship for her, for me, for everybody around us. We go on and we see faith, the just shall live by faith, 1 Corinthians, watch, Stand fast in faith. We encourage one another on in faith. When we're going through the hard things, yes, we listen. Yes, we plan. Yes, we make adjustments. But then we believe in Jesus. It's his work. It's his name on the line. It's his kingdom. And we believe by faith. And then there is purity. I'm flying by, you guys. Because I promise I'm trying to be nice and get you out before three. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, 
whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. We want to we wanna disciple and lead in lives and lifestyles of purity, that we don't let all the dust, you know, Jacob's well getting, you know, having the Philistines throw in all the dust and dirt and clog up all the things of Jesus. No, we want to keep our lives pure, our minds, our hearts, the words, the meditations on our heart. We want to live a lifestyle of virtue, of purity. And it begins with our thought process, right? Our thought process. And so we want to meditate and think upon that. So if you are negative Nelly, Write this down. Even if you're not, write it in next card. Memorize it. And in that way, when you start, this scripture is going to come up in your belly and your inner man and challenge you. Stop thinking so negative. Stop being so hateful. Think upon that which is pure. There has got to be something of Jesus that he's done that you can meditate on. You know, when I, when I think of this scripture, when he brings it up, and he brings up Psalms that says to think about that which the Lord has already done for you. Man, you start down that road, it's hard to be mad. It's hard to be sad. It's hard to be doomsday. So we, we have to live in the lifestyle of purity and begin to set examples for others. So what does this look like in your care group, in your, your homes, and when you go out to lunch with people or you're doing clothes with people? That means when they start their... Oh, come on, girlfriend. We're going to believe Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't live like that. And is it that simple? Yes, it is. Hey, you're struggling. We're going to pray. And you just start praying. And you start, the scripture will start rolling up off your belly. But we've got to put ourselves out there. We've got to be willing to live by example. My first care group, I literally sat in a fetal position or laid a fetal position in front of my door to my apartment, begging Jesus, don't let anyone show up. No. Jenna was there that night. We had like almost 30 girls show up. I didn't want nobody. It was single. What was it? Precious, empowered, and righteous ladies. The name of the group. It was singles group. I did not want to leave a singles group because I did not want to be single forever. Don't let anybody show up. The amazing thing, 30 girls show up, and it changed my life forever. Because their presence around me, wherever they were in Christ, challenged me that I needed more. I needed more. I needed to be changed. I needed to be transformed. I needed his glory in my life. It didn't put me on a pedestal of snobbery. didn't put me on a pedestal of pride. It put me in a place of hunger for more of him. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And if you'll put yourself around the body of believers and allow yourself to be sharpened by one another, he'll change you. He'll change you. In six months, you should look different than you look right now. In six years, we shouldn't recognize you. But it doesn't happen by us locking ourselves up in a cocoon. It happens through relationships in the kingdom of God and us beckoning one another to come up higher, to come up higher. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. 
For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.